Welcome to Holy Week, where we remember and reflect on the week before Jesus' death and resurrection, or the week of it, really. Although the gospel accounts of Jesus' life take place over one to three years, depending on whether you ask Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, the Passion Week or Holy Week of Christ's life takes up approximately one-third of the Gospels. It's the only time in the church calendar where we take Jesus' life day by day. Our worship today reflects the movement of Holy Week as we move from the joyous palms through a time of confession and repentance and into a time of reflection. Jesus starts on the Mount of Olives, coming down with his parade of disciples, the locals hailing him as the coming king, the Messiah even, as he enters Jerusalem in a fanfare of palms. But by late Thursday night, after a week of contentious teaching in the temple, he leaves the city, crosses the Kidron Valley, and again to the lower slope of the Mount of Olives, he goes to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. The scripture today is from the Gospel according to Matthew in the 26th verse. We'll be reading 10 verses. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and agitated. Then he said to them, I'm deeply grieved even to death. Remain here and stay awake with me. And going a little farther, he threw himself on the ground and prayed. My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not what I want, but what you want. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so could you not stay awake with me this one hour? Stay awake. And pray that you may not come into the time of trial. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away for a second time and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
the walk to the Garden of Gethsemane from the Temple Mount where Jesus had been previously or from the upper room which they think was near the temple in the city that walk is no joke you got to go down the mountain through the valley of through the city of David down into the valley of Kidron and then halfway back the up up the steep side of the Mount of Olives to get to a little olive tree garden there with a nice view of the city I think Jesus takes them on this journey that night because it was a special place for them we we see that Judas knows where it is it's probably a place they had been before a place they had maybe gone often to pray to be together as this close circle of Jesus's closest friends it was a place of comfort a place that they knew that they could connect with God and with each other and yet on this night it becomes a place of loneliness of sadness and fear and suffering a place can be both at the same time for instance that's the power of having your funeral at your church building the church becomes a Gethsemane for those who gather both a place of loneliness and sadness but also a place of comfort and a place to connect with God and find the joy that God is bringing in death how many of our homes feel that way this week a place where where we're stuck inside day after day week after week comfort and peace yes it's our home but also loneliness also fear I can tell you that our church building feels that way it's still a place to be close to God but it's kind of empty kind of lonely Jesus knows what it's like to be in the place that we find ourselves now when Jesus went to the garden that night to pray this place that he held dear with his disciples his feelings were so complicated that I found them in verse 37 translated differently in every translation I read Jesus felt sad anxious grieved agitated anguished distressed sorrowful troubled does any of that ring a bell to you resonate with you and Jesus is used to relying on his friends he's counting on them to be there he asks them to be there for him and they aren't Jesus knows what it's like to be alone and lonely to not be able to be with the people that you love the most to cry out to God in the dead of the night and not to get the answer that he wants maybe not to get an answer at all Jesus has been there 
And Jesus shows us how to connect with God in a place like this. In the tradition of Moses and the prophets, Jesus goes to God in prayer and struggles. Jesus knows what it's about to happen. He's been teaching his disciples about it for, for chapters, for years, for months. And still he asks for relief from the suffering. And I think that's lesson number one for us. You may think you know what's going to happen. You may think you know how long we're going to be under the stay-at-home orders, how much school is going to be out, how many people will get sick, how many people are going to die from this terrible disease. It may feel inevitable. And our call, if we follow the pattern of Jesus, is still to ask God for relief, for healing, for an end to sickness and isolation. Get serious about it. Have you fallen on your face to the ground? Have you been near the point of death? Have you sweat drops of blood? In our Gethsemane, we must contend with God to act. And then Jesus prays one of his most famous prayers. It's actually one of the very few prayers he prays that we actually have a transcript for. Jesus says, thy will be done. Most famous and perhaps most misused prayer of Jesus. Sometimes we misuse it as a cop-out prayer. God, please stop the coronavirus, but thy will be done. We think we protect God, I think, giving God an out. Maybe it's not God's will to stop the coronavirus. Maybe God doesn't want to do it. Truthfully, we protect our own weak faith. We don't believe that God will stop it. Maybe we don't believe that God can stop it. Or we pray it because... We pray thy will be done because we believe that God orchestrates everything that happens for a higher purpose. God is in control and what we mean by that is that God is facilitating and controlling every action that happens in the world. So maybe you believe that God is punishing the world with this virus or maybe you believe that God wants the world to spend more time with family and spend more time in rest. I've seen both in Facebook. So in some way, we can't understand hundreds of thousands of God's children in America and millions across the world need to die by this virus because that's God's will. The problem with praying thy will be done in these ways is that it is not what Jesus means when he prays it. Jesus is not praying this prayer because of some divine, mysterious will that he can't comprehend that requires him to suffer. God's will is not for a cross, and God's will is not 
for a coronavirus. It is the brokenness of our world, our diseased, fallen, sinful world that demands crosses, that allows for coronaviruses. Jesus prays, thy will be done from a strong faith that knows what God's will is. He knows that God's will is for healing. God's will is for wholeness. And God's will is for life. And above all else, Jesus knows that God's will is for love. And love cannot compel. Love cannot force. It cannot say, love me or else I'll destroy you. Or it's not love. Jesus states clearly that he isn't God's puppet, forced to comply with God's will. In the gospel, according to John, he says, I lay down my own life freely by my own free will. God cannot force Jesus. God cannot force healing and wholeness and life and love on the world. And Jesus is praying, thy will be done, that God would continue to bring God's will through the suffering. That God would continue to bring healing and wholeness and life even though the world requires suffering. You see, the cross of Christ, the rough, old, rugged cross, that's the best picture of how God's will works in suffering. On the cross, Jesus suffered and died because of our sins. And there, on the cross, the worst thing that could happen, the Son of God who loves us so deeply to come into this world and be with us, where he suffers and dies because of our sin. There, God works for good. There on the cross, in the midst of that pain and suffering and death, God brings the victory over sin, brings freedom from death, brings forgiveness and grace poured out into the world. The cross shows us that in all things, all the broken things of this world, God is continually willing and working for good. God doesn't save us from viruses based on our faith. And God doesn't punish us with viruses because of our lack of faith. Yet, in the midst of this virus pandemic, we may pray that in existing in this Gethsemane moment for us, this moment of anxiety and sadness, and we may ask God to act and pray. I will be done because we know 
that our Savior Jesus Christ has walked here before us. He knows what it is to be lonely and anxious and can help us in this to see where God is at work for good and to connect us with God in this moment to find peace and life so that where we are in this place of anxiety, in this life that we are living now, we can still find truth and life and peace and love. Jesus knows what it's like to have the coronavirus, to be suffocating, for your lungs to fill up with fluid and you can't breathe because that's how a cross kills you. And Jesus will meet you there, even there and will walk with you to the other side through the suffering, assuring you always that He will bring you through to the other side, either to healing now or to ultimate healing in the resurrection when we all shall live as Christ lives. Because God's will is always for goodness always for healing, always relationships and connection and an end to loneliness, always to peace, always to comfort, always courage, and always joy. And on the cross of Christ, the battle has already been won. Our victory over this broken world is assured and God's will will be done. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.